All right, welcome back, Art World Podcast lovers. <laughs> uh, this is super exciting tonight. This is the I most say that exciting. every episode. I feel like uh, what's his face from The Bachelor. We're just like super hype men right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so today we have um, a special guest with us. Um, he's our first artist guest. He is. Uh, so we have Andrew. Hi. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to do it. <laughs> Andrew uh, Cur- Curry? Yeah, uh, Andrew, Andrew K. K. Curry. I hate the last names. Yeah, it's fine. So I hate mine too. <laughs> Yo, I like your last name. Gotcha. You have a great last name. Well, thank, well, I have to put the middle initial in there because there is another Andrew Curry that is a Olympic pole vaulter in Australia. Wow. So we get confused a lot. Really? No. Does he look like you? You're at just all? like not I'm a, really dynamic. Sometimes I'm an Olympian. Sometimes I'm an artist. Yep. <laughs> a little toss the coin, but. Uh, but this is awesome. So we are actually in his studio right now. Yes, welcome. Yeah, I Can love you tell it here. Us where we are. Uh, we are at uh, Arts Continuum in the uh, downtown arts district of Los Angeles. That's where we weren't sure where we were. Yeah. Gonna be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're kind of like in the uh, the warehouse district uh, okay. a little bit, uh, where it gets uh, kind of creepy at night, especially when you have to enter and leave the studio in a dark, creepy alley. But mm-hmm. uh, it's a great place to you know spread out and make the kind of work you need to make. Awesome in here. I love it. And Thank you, you have a studio with eight other. Yeah, artists? there are eight other uh, professional artists in here. It's just a big warehouse uh, that's kind of uh, our studios are kind of sectioned off. And uh, about once a year, we do open studios and bring people by to come see what we're making. But most of the time, we're just in here every night, just kind of working away and trying to figure stuff out. Awesome. That's super cool. So let's start off with like an intro to who Andrew is. All right. Uh, well, uh, born in Colorado. I grew up in Texas. I got my bachelor's in fine arts from the University of North Texas with emphasis in painting. I uh, then um, had some time. I did uh, art restoration for the Lorenzo de Medici School and uh, restored some very old liturgical paintings. And I eventually... I uh, got really into drawing between uh, undergrad and graduate school, and I came out to Los Angeles for my master's at Otis College of Art and Design and got my master's in drawing. And then I've been stuck here ever since, just kind of uh, working and trying to be involved in the art scene out here as much as I can be. Do you see yourself going someplace else eventually? or? Oh, I mean, I'm open to whatever. But uh, as of right now, I think... LA is such a fascinating art community that it's it's kind of hard to uh, travel too far away from it. But uh, no, um, I've shown in New York and in uh, Texas and Washington, uh, a little bit of everywhere, Bermuda. But uh, so it's uh, I hop around a bit. International. Lisa's impressed. I love this. And uh, UNT Denton. Hey. Oh, you went to Denton? No, I didn't. I went to one football game there. I oh, lived, okay. Yeah, I lived in uh, Dallas proper for two years. Oh, very good. Yeah, very so good. Hung out like Deep Ellum and whatnot. Oh, I know Deep Ellum well. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I it's also. It's like the only artsy part of Dallas. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, well, I also was uh, the artist in residence in Shanko Castle in Ireland for in, back in 2014. That's um, cool. So that was. Uh, and then that influenced my artwork quite a bit because uh, I went to Ireland to learn how to do gold leafing. Uh, which now I make drawings that are inlaid with gold and uh, silver and uh, how those kind of mediums mesh together is uh, I find to be really, really interesting. When was that residency? That was in 2014. So was it after your MFA or before? It was literally two months after I graduated from my uh, master's program. Wow. So when you graduated from your master's program, I'm assuming you had a thesis show that you had to do. Yes, at the Helen Bolsky Gallery. Was it similar to the work that you're still doing now, or has it vastly changed? Uh, it was similar in that it was pencil drawings, uh, and there was a very kind of classical, um, kind of medieval undertone that was happening in it. I did a my thesis show was basically about armor and about defense mechanisms, and since then um, I've kind of steered away from that and started exploring more about the idea of. Uh, 
kind of anachronistic metaphors and using very old uh, kind of archaic symbols to talk about contemporary issues in these kind of tongue-in-cheek ways. And they're awesome. beautiful. They really like, are. They're we incredible. are sitting around all of his work, and it's lovely to see them in person because you can really see the detail, and the gold leaf is just perfect. Thank I've you. said this before, and I'll say it again. Uh, your touch with gold leaf is great because you're not overusing it. You use it just enough to make your point, yeah. and then you're done with it. Well, gold, I think, is just such an interesting medium because if you look at the utilitarian aspect of it, gold is a completely useless metal. It is the softest metal. Uh, other than the fact that it's super shiny, it doesn't really get dull, it doesn't serve much of a purpose. Uh, That's so pretty. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, ju it's just pretty. So, if, and, and then there's the whole idea of like a gilded age uh, thinking and the idea of gilding of something being completely covered with gold, but underneath it's actually rotting. And so I found that kind of that poetry and looking at the poetry of how uh, gold leaf and silver, how those could be interplayed into drawings of kind of using it to de not just to decorate, but also to kind of illuminate and exemplify and glorify these completely mundane symbols like uh, tiny little emoticons that we throw away in conversation so quickly, but to spend time to actually gold leaf and illuminate that uh, becomes completely ironic and superfluous and that kind of... Uh, meaninglessness, or not really meaninglessness, but uh, uh, insanity of just spending the time to do that, I'm really intrigued by. That's awesome. I love it. How, um, how do you think the, your MFA program shaped uh, your work? Oh, I think uh, just the way it made me think about artwork in a completely different way. Um, it had me considering uh, how mediums are supposed to be taken into consideration more how to break down artwork and how to just think about artwork in a different way. And uh, I think the biggest thing I was trying to get out of my master's program was how to talk about my artwork and how to really find my voice, uh, not just in what I was making, but in how I was describing what I was making. Because as an artist, uh, making the artwork is only like half the job. The rest of it is being able to talk about it, being able to explain it, being able to get other people uh, excited about your work and see the work the way you do. That's awesome. How long have you been working with pencil? Uh, I actually started working, well, like most people, I work with pencil, doodling and sketching most of my life, but uh, as it pertains to the primary focus of my practice, uh, I kind of started, uh, I think in the last semester of my undergrad, I took a experimental drawing class, because uh, before that I was devoutly all about oil painting. Like this is the hill I'm gonna die on, I'm just gonna mm -hmm. rock oil painting forever. <laughs> Sounds familiar, Sounds right? <laughs> last uh, class in uh, undergrad yep. changes your life. Yeah, yep. yeah, it's, you save the best for the last. But uh, <laughs> And so yeah, I took a, a, a experimental drawing studio and it kind of shifted the way I see everything and changed some philosophies around and uh, I started to enjoy it more and more and there's a there's an instant gratification in drawing where you can just put down a mark and you're done and you just move on to the next bit or you just kind of slowly build it up over time so I think in that aspect uh, I slowly started to love just how meticulous and how precise I can get with a tip of a pencil more than I could with a paintbrush it's awesome. Um, this is going to be one of my dumb questions. Is there like a certain type of seal you use? Because um, I just, <laughs> pencils, I just picture like when I'm writing and I get smeared on my hand and I'm like, oh. what if that's like your artwork? Oh, well, that's that's why God made erasers. You just go in oh and you can just, well, and also I wear like, uh, I wear white gloves that okay. you just, I pick up at, they're white gardening gloves. I pick mm -hmm. up at Ace Hardware and I have like a stack of them over here. So, yeah, and okay. they're kind of all stained with graphite, as you can see. Yeah. But I just wear those so I don't smudge anything and always work from the upper left to the bottom right because I'm right-handed. And I uh, just go back, erase any smudges that happen. Okay. And uh, then I have, like, spraying fixative okay. for the pencils and then a type of fixative for the gold leaf so it doesn't tarnish. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. That's fascinating. Do you have a favorite, like, brand of... <laughs> Pencils? Sponsor. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I have here in my hand 
uh, was it Fa uh, Faber Castell uh, pencils uh, from 6H to 6B? These are awesome. Uh, awesome. They're they're a lot of fun to use. Uh, I also use uh, what is it? Uh, old World Arch gold leafing and uh, gold leafing paraphernalia. All right. If I brought you like a two pencil, would you be like, no, no, I cannot use like, that. Oh, like a, like a number two <laughs> pencil? Excuse me, peasant, please leave. <laughs> like, no. are you a pencil snob? I, I'm, I'm not a pencil snob. Like, I have, I actually, I have, I have uh, a multitude of different brands of pencils okay. uh, that I, I mix match because uh, I'm, a, I'm an artist on a budget, so I just get them where I can and yeah. uh, make do. Come. I love it. <laughs> With the gold leaf, because you studied from monks, mm -hmm. um, do you meet artists that are doing gold leaf as well? And do you kind of critique it? I'm, I'm assuming that not a lot of artists know the actual technique. Uh, well, yeah, there's there are a few artists that are doing gold leaf, and I think they are doing it incredibly well. Um, uh, but then there are also artists that are. Uh, just slapping gold leaf on there and calling it quits. And uh, so I, I, there are some, I do have some level of snobbery because I use uh, the same gold leafing technique that old 8th century monks use to illuminate medieval manuscripts, uh, which is part of the reason why I did my residency in Ireland was I went to go study the Book of Kells and the Book of Arno and all these other uh, books that have intricate gold leafing in there to do a body of work for the Kilkenny Arts Festival. Um, that was back in 2014. And so I'm using these very old rolled techniques to uh, apply the gold leaf, but also applying it to create something that is completely talking about contemporary uh, images and using contemporary symbols, like using gold leaf to make the Bluetooth symbol or the Louis Vuitton logo or uh, like heart emoticons. Um, so using it in a way that uh, is in essence anachronistic to the work. awesome thank you the different shapes that you use in your pieces is that from the idea of the altars yes yeah so uh the whole uh, I, i'm kind of, i kind of uh i don't want to say hate but i'm bored by the idea of drawings have to be square or rectangle mm -hmm. uh so as a way to kind of break of that kind of old institution I like to make my drawings into altar shapes and so using these romanesque art uh, forms kind of brings in this very um, religious quality and sacredness to the drawing as the artwork as an altar piece um, which ties into like my upbringing as a Catholic and also uh, work I've done with uh, the church in with art restoration um, but also it brings a kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek humor of referring to kind of art as the new religion or the subjects that are being depicted, which oftentimes revolve around technology and how that interlays into a type of um, religious aspect, especially like how we uh, spend a good chunk of our days with our heads bowed to our phones in this almost kind of paying alms uh, kind of positioning. It all kind of ties into that. And then the gold leafing ties into that as well as a type of exaltation of the form. I definitely see humor in your work. Yes. Lisa, do you see humor in your work? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> What's your take? My take? Yes. You always do this to me. There's, there's no wrong answer. <laughs> Give me some that's, time. That's okay, you want me to circle yes. back? Um, I also have to say this is the most distracted I've ever been on a podcast <laughs> um, because I keep like looking at your different pieces and I'm like I just get so into them and then I'm like wait we're we're recording. Oh, okay. <laughs> you see uh, this one behind you, the Medusa. Oh no! So that one is actually a exact scale replica of Caravaggio's Medusa hanging in the Uffizi. It's a one for one scale replica. Um, wow! And uh, I was kind of playing along with the ideas of uh, so a lot of this had to do with. Um, digital avatars and like the version of ourselves we put on the internet mm -hmm. versus the version of ourselves in real life and how those two are rarely ever congruent with each other and uh kind of you're kind of putting this false front up of Absolutely. this glorified self as opposed to what you're really experiencing i love the mix that you bring in with technology because yeah. like that's you present this kind of old 
visual, but then you have, and that's where I see the humor mm -hmm. because you're putting in tech, technology within the pieces that you really need to look at to pick up on. Absolutely. How many pieces do you work on at once? Uh, I've, I've tried doing multiple pieces uh -huh. at once, but I'm very single-minded when it comes to artwork. And uh, I try to put 100% of myself into each piece. Mm -hmm. And if I'm doing multiple pieces at once, I can't do that. I, I, uh, I can't half-ass several drawings at once. I have to whole ass one, one drawing okay. at a time. <laughs> but, so um, is that a unicorn glitch? Is that uh, no, it, it, that was oh. just the, the Instagram tag. Oh, I remembered it though. <laughs> yeah, you did. This is, this is just one I'm working on uh, right now. That's, okay. uh, it's one of the bigger pieces I've been yeah. doing. Um, so it's, it's taking a bit of time. Yeah, it's, it's big. I like how you can see the progress in it though. Thank you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's an old, uh, like 15th century painting of a unicorn and there's no painting or version of the unicorn from before the 1800s that wasn't uh, completely ridiculous looking <laughs> and I kind of love that so yeah. this is uh, a unicorn with kind of a derpy face and, yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of what I love about it. I love it. And you have the purple pinkish flowers that you're bringing into your work? Yeah, I've been uh, kind of experimenting with the uh, uh, floral element of um, doing these, uh, bringing in symbols that uh, completely downplay the severity of what's being seen. Mm -hmm. That kind of either uh, add a layer of silliness or a layer of um, just a complete super, superlificity, superfluity. Uh, Sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> super complicated word. Uh, <laughs> They just they add a kind of um, airiness to it. Uh, so this, you're seeing this unicorn that's being completely riddled with gilded arrows, um, and then you're just seeing like this uh, all, kind of these this floral display being laid across everything, almost like a uh, um, kind of like a funeral procession floral arrangement that's happening. Um, but this was kind of meant to talk about this piece is uh, kind of playing around with the idea with of uh, millennials in general of uh, how we were raised being told the millennial generation being raised being told we were the we were special we could do anything and then we're strapped with uh, insane student loan debts and a horrible economy and uh, a world that's uh, burning up and so it's kind of like these we're being slung with all these gilded arrows while we're being told that we're special so it's kind of this duality of how that's uh, or at least how I'm reading uh, that whole climate. Absolutely. I think um, it's the use of colors is really fun too because um, the first time I saw it on Instagram, I was like, oh, it's so pretty. Like, And then it took me like kind of doing a double take to be like, oh, the unicorn's like, <laughs> There's, those are arrows like <laughs> sticking out of it yeah. like, with an X over its eye. Um, it's the Saint Sebastian I'm, of horses. Yeah, I, but I love pieces that you like. It takes you a like kind of really looking at it to get the whole message. It's not, it's aesthetically pleasing, but it also has a message behind it, mm -hmm. which I love. Well, in terms of uh, how the gilding aspect of the drawing interplays, uh, I have these. So I, I'm at a show later this week, and I'm premiering two new drawings at this show, and they're these. Uh, it's uh, these two moon drawings called uh, Lunatic Near and Lunatic Far. And one is the front side of the moon and the back side of the moon. And of course, we never see the back side of the moon. But I use uh, Silverleaf to go over and create a kind of uh, happy emoticon expression and a sad emoticon expression over both sides of the moon. Uh, but what's really fun about this is graphite and silver are both minerals and elements found on the moon. And it kind of helped with the reflective nature of the moon. But the fun part of graphite is that it is reflective because graphite is a semi-metallic alloy. So when the light catches graphite just right, it reflects the light. But also so does silver. We used to have mirrors made out of silver. So, uh, and the word lunatic uh, comes from the word luna, meaning moon, and talk about how a person's relationship with the moon and how it affects their mental state. And so when you're in the gallery, depending on where you're located in the gallery and where you're, how you're looking at these moon drawings, you can either see the moon or you can only see the face, but you can rarely ever see them both at the same time. So while you're in the gallery, you have to consider your relationship to the moon as you're looking at these drawings. That is That's awesome. Amazing. I am so excited for this. I love your how you started that off. The fun part about graphite. <laughs> like, all right, oh, I'm a, I'm a huge good. pencil nerd, so that's. I love it. Um, okay, and so for anyone listening too, that is 
on Friday, the Lollapalooza? Yes, Yes, uh, it's at uh, La Luz de Jesus Gallery. It's their 33rd annual La Luz Palooza show. I have three pieces in it. There's the two moon drawings, and then there's a... uh, uh, another little altarpiece drawing called In, uh, In Defiance of Imagery. And it's a drawing of this Venetian hand torture device that's meant to render hands completely useless. And so the act of hand drawing a device that's meant to render your hands useless, I found to be uh, kind of a defiant little gesture. And then uh, whoever made this little me- mechanism back in, I think, 16th century or so, uh, had the blacksmith put like this very decorative floral element into this little torture device, which I found to be kind of dark, but also kind of funny because you're making a blacksmith render something and make it look really pretty to make it so no one can use their hands again. And that, and telling like yeah. an artist to do that, it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I kind of had a laugh to keep from crying when I was thinking about that. And so there's this whole floral element that's moving about it. And so that's the whole uh, in defiance of imagery. So if you are in LA or in the Hollywood area and you're free Friday night from 8 to 11 p.m., totally go by uh, La Luz de Jesus Gallery and uh, I'll be there and uh, we'll be there too. <laughs> awesome. You can come. Whole squad. Yeah. <laughs> come, have a drink, look at some amazing art. There's going to be lots of artists there, and uh, it's going to be a really fun time. I'm going to be looking at your moon drawings from like every part of <laughs> oh, the gallery. Oh, do it. Wait, do so it. Gonna be I'm going to be talking to people about it. I'm like, wait, come walk over this way with me. <laughs> I'm really excited for this. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Um, so just before we forget, if people want to look you up, where would yes. they find you? Uh, well, you can find me on Instagram at Andrew K. Curry, last name spelled C-U-R-R-E-Y. Uh, and on my Instagram, I just, I post everything I'm doing behind the scenes, of uh, how drawings are progressing, uh, what shows I have going on, uh, what podcasts I might be on, uh, <laughs> or I have a website that's just andrewkcurry.com, or you can find me on, I have a studio page on Facebook that's just Andrew K. Curry. Awesome. Um, before we move on to featured artists, I also wanted to talk to you about your teaching. Yes, yes. I teach figure drawing. Uh, Very cool. I, I teach up at uh, Armory Center for the Arts in Pasadena. Um, I teach uh, figure drawing on Wednesday nights uh, for high schoolers looking to get uh, some extra college experience on what art classes might be like in college. And then I also uh, teach adults that come by and uh, we have models and I uh, go into the full, like how to break down the anatomy, how to break down the form into simple shapes and how to draw what you see, which is kind of the mantra of the entire class. Drawing what you see and not drawing what you know, because we all know how a body is supposed to look, but the point is drawing the body that is in front of you. Are you trying to hear that cricket? I am trying to hear that cricket. It's really loud, but I don't think it's being picked up. There's a there's a cricket in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Let us all go silent for the cricket. Um, Okay. So, how have you found um, teacher or being a teacher? um, Adults taking critiques versus Ah. students. We touched on this before, but I want to dive in. With you about Lisa it as well. Love, yeah, I love. I have a love hate with critiques. Yes, love Cri- giving them hate. Give it. Critiques are the best and the worst part. Uh, they're the best because it's the only way you can really grow as an artist is to get mm-hmm. feedback about your work, and they're the worst because uh, it's kind of a blow to an ego every time you uh, get a critique. Um, that's fine. When you come to a studio, you kind of need to check your ego at the door because uh, you're there to learn one way or the other. I know every time I come to the studio, I'm learning something new about drawing each time I'm here. Uh, but there is an interesting thing about how high schoolers uh, take critiques because they're, they're there to learn. They're, they're wanting to uh, get the info they need to to make themselves better. So if you tell them to do this, they will shift and adjust uh, almost by the next drawing. They ha- they're trying it uh, new ways of how you're doing it. Uh, adults, I think, have a little bit more of an ego. Mm-hmm. So they're a little harder to, you know, get them to try new things to experiment because experimentation is how we grow. Um, so I'll often have adults that I'll tell them, like, oh, you know, you need to try doing it this way or try building up the form like this. And they'll try that for maybe two or three seconds. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't click right away, they go back to doing the way that they know how really? to do. So they uh, adults are a little more hard-headed. They're a little bit more to, uh, uh, you kind of have to break them a little bit. When you say adults, are you... Are you talking ages 
Well, I, uh, the adult classes we teach uh, anywhere from 18 to 60, okay, and okay. so we have like a, we have there's a huge a huge window. <laughs> so like the 20 somethings, are they still at, in that same boat of yeah. being hard to? Well, no, not so much. I think I think the like the uh, 20s and 30s are I think uh, can kind of flex a little bit and can t- kind of take critique in stride, but uh, I think the older they are the more they, uh, people become set in their ways. And so you kind of have to finagle them. And then some people are just horrible at taking criticism. And wow. they just, uh, they'll hear what you have to say and then they'll just go back to doing what they're doing. And that's, you know, more power to them for that. Uh, but I think if, if you're going to grow as an artist, you need to experiment, you need to uh, take feedback and either um, listen to it or uh, try to apply some of it and see how that can change your perspective and uh, essentially just try to make yourself grow. Absolutely. And I'm kind of almost surprised by that because you're in an environment where you're teaching, mm-hmm. you would think they'd be even more receptive because it's not just like their work's up in their home and someone comes by and critiques it. You know, it's in an area where they're, they're actually they're there the to learn from yeah. you. So yeah. you would think they would be like, give me all the information. Yeah, but... You'd think. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but, but I enjoy it. It is, it is a lot of fun to yeah. uh, impart all this uh, know-how of how to draw onto other people. Because if you know uh, a lot about something, you can have a responsibility to pass that on. Absolutely. As a teacher, so how do you set up your critiques? Oh yeah, this is good. And then how do you, as the teacher, go about giving the ah, critiques? Oh well, I try. So uh, I'll have it the critiques go like one way for the majority of the classes and then near the end of the semester we'll start to experiment with different uh, ways of critiquing uh, because I essentially just teach an intro to figure drawing and a lot of people that come have never taken an art class before Um, so I'll set it up like okay I'm gonna have the artist uh, give like two three minutes to defend their work to talk about it say what they were thinking what they were feeling and then uh, I'll give my feedback about where I think they could improve, where I think they're doing really well, and then I'll have the other students chime in. And if there's like students that aren't chiming in for several minutes, I'll purposely call on them and make everyone speak up uh, in the class. Um, because that is one thing that once you get out into the professional world, bringing people in to critique your work one-on-one and getting feedback from uh, honest feedback from people and not just like, oh, that's great. Uh, is super difficult and so it's kind of hard to get honest opinions about your work uh, so trying to get people to take advantage of that when they're in a area a group that's meant to just help you thrive and get better is incredibly valuable are you always positive or do you like positive then oh, negative do you like oh, compliment no. sandwich it compliment sandwich that's, <laughs> that's exactly it yeah <laughs> I, I do a whole lecture like we gotta keep it com- like compliment, uh, criticism of improvement, yep. and then compliment. Can you give Lisa um, a line of like a critique line that you can oh, that yeah. she can throw out? Oh, I'm trying to like there. build like like you know a verb bible per se of like like of fancy like art words you can use art to... words that i just you know i want to sound knowledgeable at the oh, galleries okay. well i ha- i do have one art word that is by far one of my favorite words <laughs> give it to me it's chiaroscuro oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's an italian word that basically just means uh the way light is playing over a form and oh, how shadow is moving to light okay and so like old baroque masters like caravaggio mm-hmm. uh would uh how their forms would all be emerging from like this shadowy background they all exemplified the use of uh, chiaroscuro. Chiaroscuro. Yes. Oh. You need to put that in your pocket because oh, that's yeah. on a whole different level. That is what did of you what give me? You. you gave me like um, what would you say in uh, what was Conceptual? that word? Con- conceptually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting you with the basic. The use of movement is quite Aesthetics. nice. <laughs> You just took it to the next level. Perfect. You're welcome. I love it. I'm going to use it on Friday. There you go. <laughs> Can't wait. What, how do you feel about teaching as an artist? Do you like teaching or is it just kind of a day job for you? Uh, it varies, I think. There are days when it does feel like a day job. It's like, okay, wait, I need to do this to help support my art habit. And then there are days where I get super 
passionate and really into uh, uh, teaching. And, um, and I, you really kind of feel, feed off the students' vibe. Because if none of the students want to be there, I don't want to be there either. But if they're all excited to be there and they're excited to learn, I get really jazzed and kind of play off their energy. Um, so it's kind of uh, it's kind of a little uh, give and take. Uh, I, I get excited just because uh, I get to share what I know. And uh, when I see students like really start to get it and really start to click and uh, they go from drawing just stick figures to drawing like fully realized human anatomy in the form uh, and they get really excited about that so that really jazzes me up but uh, it's not like that every day some days some days are harder than others and uh, that's why that in those days I just you know come in here and have a glass of wine and do my own drawings <laughs> mm-hmm. and try it again the next day that's awesome um, so I guess this is a question kind of for both of you because a MFA is like the highest degree for a fine arts, right? Yeah, they say it's a terminal degree. It's a terminal so degree. No higher unless you're going into art history. So, would there be an interest for either of you to teach, um, like at a like a BFA program or? One hundred percent for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's How like, do you get into that? It's so hard. Oh yeah. really? Okay. Especially out in LA, because there are so many art students with my MFAs out here that it's. Uh, uh, it's insane. I remember a couple of times I was applying for teaching positions at community colleges or colleges, mm-hmm. and uh, I hit up old uh, professors who are now just friends and colleagues that uh, I was like, hey, can I use you as a reference? And they were like, uh, no, because I'm applying for the same position. Oh, no. And I was like, okay, well, that's, damn it. All right. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so it's, uh, but there are some schools that offer doctorates in fine art, but uh, those are often looked down upon as just money-making schemes. Mm-hmm. And okay. there are a few schools that are like, we'll give you, we'll give you a, a, a PhD or a, not PhD, but a doctorate in fine art. Yeah. And it's just viewed as a way to make more money okay. off people who just really want that piece of paper yeah. and those that DR by their name. Yeah. Most okay. of the art world like doesn't consider it a legitimate. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. But the MFA, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it doesn't get much higher than that unless okay. you just really want that yeah. extra initial. Wow. You can get an MA, mm-hmm. okay. but an MFA, a Master's of Fine Art, is higher considered than yes. an MA. Well, because there's like a hierarchy, right? So like, and Fine Arts is the top tier. Yeah. There's a caste system. There's a caste system. There it is. <laughs> who, who, are the, who are the peasants at the bottom? Oh. <laughs> we'll make them fight. At the end. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Um, yeah, the end goal, I think, for most artists would mm-hmm. be to land a teaching job because then you can teach during the year and then you have the summers off to do residency programs, Absolutely. do your own work. Yeah. But most of the time to land those jobs, you already have to be a pretty prominent artist. Yeah. Um, so it takes a really long time and to get your foot in the door is Almost impossible. Because those schools are looking for artists with that name recognition. Because okay. if they have artists in their on their faculty that are big name artists, then that gives them more of an appeal to students to come and take their classes. That makes sense. Yeah. And it does because um, I think Barbara Cougar, mm-hmm. Cougar is on the faculty list at UCLA. And I applied there because I was like, because of, of course, yeah. I would want to work with her. She probably teaches one class. Yeah. And maybe the TA runs it, but well, yeah, like uh, same with me. Uh, one of my professors in grad school was Judy Bamber, and she was in one of my undergraduate textbooks. Uh, and so I got in a vitamin D two, uh, just a big textbook about contemporary drawers or artists who do drawings. Um, <laughs> and so I got very really excited when I got to grad school and got to work with her one on one and do studio visits with her, and that was. Uh, it was invaluable to have uh, someone like that that I can bounce ideas off of. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, so one more follow-up question. We uh-huh. had, yeah, we, we received a question on Reddit um, about what are, for like a, someone in their MFA or BFA program, what are famous artists that they should know about, names that they should know? So for you in pencil drawing, mm-hmm. um, what is like a prominent artist that everyone who wants to go into it or interested when they're in high school should know about or who should they should be following oh man or whose work they should look up who might well, i'll gone. know i'll know about if there's a prominent artist that uh 
I feel like everyone should know by. There are some artists that uh, definitely uh, I was intrigued by and okay. that I was really drawn to. Uh, Robert Longo, I think, is a, a big one in terms of drawing. Uh, his massive charcoal drawings of um, people in suits and uh, uh, that it looks like they're all falling and then until you see them all in a row and then you realize they're not falling, they're actually dancing. And kind of like the intro to the Mad, to Mad Men, they kind of borrowed from him and oh, the original cool. iTunes commercial People Dancing Around in Black Silhouettes was kind of based off his drawings. Uh, so he would be uh, probably the biggest drawer drawer I would <laughs> I really hate the term drawer because it sounds like you're referring to them as a cabinet um, he would be the biggest uh, uh, drawing artist I, I, I can think of but also um, I think uh, Tom Nectel is uh, fantastic in terms of uh, how he renders and uses his pencils uh, Judy Bamber is uh, insanely meticulous with her work uh, Carl Handel is definitely uh, up there and uh I think there, there's so many big artists that are happening right now. I think what really matters is what speaks to you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter, I think, if they're, if they're a huge, big name or not. It's just what speaks to you and uh, what you can relate to with your practice. That's awesome. Perfect. That is perfect. Yeah. Wow. Thanks. All right. Uh, random question. <laughs> I have two more questions for you before we move on from your artwork. Okay. Do you have a favorite piece of your own? Oh, good Ooh. question. Actually, actually, I think the telephone piece might be my favorite piece. It's my favorite piece. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it was mine. Well, so, <laughs> yeah, so that one. <laughs> that one is called uh, sepulcher, uh, okay. and sepulcher is a just fun old word meaning basically a mausoleum or a kind of old monument that houses something that is dead, or either it's like a dead person or an old deity, or it's. Uh, an old god or something um but in order for something to be a sepulcher is it has to house something that uh is dead it has to be made of either stone wood or metal and this piece is made of paper gold leaf and graphite basically stone wood and metal metal um but there's something interesting about how uh all these payphones would just be lining the city streets but no one would be using them and they'd either be broken or destroyed or dismantled or that someone would rip the phones off to make hold succulents or make something out of it. But uh, they're basically these old little ruins spotting the kind of urban landscape of these old, kind of old technological gods that just kind of dominate our lives. And now they're just these empty vessels and how the little boxes around them to kind of protect them from the rain kind of ends up serving as this little tiny altarpiece and so this piece, uh, sepulchre of uh, this payphone, just kind of receded into this trompe l'oeil um, space of the paper, and kind of playing with a three-dimensional form of that uh, definitely exemplifies that and sets it up as its own little tiny altar altarpiece. Do you take a photo and then bring it back to your studio and manipulate it to what you're looking for? Yeah, sometimes I take a photo. Sometimes I take uh, like I take images from old paintings, old photographs, uh, old uh, statues or monuments, and then I'll, I'll manipulate it. I'll try to do everything on Photoshop of how I want to figure out how it's going to do. And then I'll either I'll translate it to paper, and I might augment a few things uh, as it gets transferred to paper, because that just happens sometimes. Because um, there's, some, there's some things you just can't exactly do on the computer. You have to do by hand. But... Uh, yeah, I try to go in with a good idea of how things are going to look out. And also Photoshop's just a great way to kind of plan things out and move things around. It's basically your... Uh, Photoshop is kind of the new sketchbook, I think, as opposed to just carrying around a book with pages. It's nice that you say that because I don't know if a lot of artists would recognize it. There's something romantic about yeah. the idea of... I take my sketchbook out and yeah. I sketch. And, and every time I, th- I used to be the same way. I was like, oh no, I have to have my sketchbook on me all the time. And sketchbook's always got to be black and it's got to be worn looking. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it started that the whole romanticization of the sketchbook started to make me think of uh, Val Kilmer and the Saint uh, when he tried to be the artist. And it just came, it started to come across as just more and more corny to me. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, well maybe maybe this is ridiculous and I can I can leave this behind and change my whole philosophies on how this is looking. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then I'm going to ask you the question that I hate. 
Oh yeah. As an artist. Oh no. Um, sales. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying. <laughs> oh, what question? Do you, well, what were you thinking? Well, you always, uh, you always hate when they're like, so who most inspires your work? That is also a very good question. <laughs> let's, let's start with sales, and then we'll go to that one. All right, great. Um. All right. Well, what do you want to know? Uh, yeah. What do you want to know? You know. <laughs> Because that's not a question. That's yeah. just. I, know, <laughs> I, know. I was hoping you would run away with it. So, um, are you selling? Like, is that something that you're thinking about? Is yeah. it actively pursuing? I mean, so, yeah, sales happen. Um, I have I have a few collectors. Um, uh, some in Ireland, some in Bermuda, some here in California, some in Texas. Um, so there, there's brag, and there are, are some there that are really interested in, in works. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, sales are always a tricky thing, especially when it comes to galleries, because no matter what your work sells at a gallery, the gallery is going to take about 50% of that. Um, so I always hear people talk about like, oh, the pieces are priced so high. It's like, well, yeah, because they kind of have to be because the artist has to get paid. Um, and so does the gallery. And so, uh, one thing that I do enjoy is that Instagram and social media has definitely made it, uh. Uh, has become a, a incredibly important tool in the art market of bypassing the gallery completely. That it helps connect the artist to the viewers and allows that exchange to happen because Instagram itself is kind of its own little miniature gallery uh, in digital format. How you can find um, work that pertains to your interest and uh, some work that doesn't, and that's and so you get the whole gamut. And that's uh, kind of what's fantastic. And at the same time, slightly horrible. <laughs> so, have you made sales off of Instagram? I made one or two, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's not uh, superfluous enough that I need to quit teaching. But yeah. uh, I mean, anytime an artist makes a sale, it's it's fantastic, and it's a huge uh, boost to your ego. Uh, no matter if you're an uh, incredibly established artist or a uh, fresh out of grad school, grad school and trying to figure things out it's great have you set your prices ah well ah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, that varies um, I, I try to take into consideration how much time went into it went into it uh, cost of materials amount of hours that went into the drawing um, if I uh, if I have to split the commission with a gallery then that whatever that price is it usually doubles um, just to make sure I get reimbursed my cost and my time as well as the gallery, um, but pricing is always a very tricky thing because I've uh, I've had shows uh, like in on Dragon Street in Dallas uh, where um, I would do very well, and then you know I'd have people come up to me and say like, "Oh, your works are priced too high or they're priced too low," and it, it's never uh, the same. It's never congruent. Everyone either thinks you're either pricing too high or too low. So if you if you're an artist and you're trying to find how to work the prices of your work I think the best thing you can do is uh, have an open talk with the gallery that you're showing at and try to work with them about what they feel like um, uh, they can sell your work at uh, what you're comfortable selling your work at or what you're used to and have really play up that partnership because uh, the artist needs the gallery and but it's not as much as the gallery needs the artist because without the artist the gallery the galleries don't exist. So the the galleries really need the artist. So if you're willing to play up that partnership and work together, I think uh, both parties can come away uh, very happy. I don't know if that answers your question. It does, but... <laughs> perfectly, yes. Um, okay, do you, do you sell prints as well? Sometimes, sometimes. I'll sometimes sell prints. Okay. I'll, I'll make prints. Um, I like to, uh, I'll do, I do limited prints. Um, so I'll do like prints of the Medusa and then I'll, sit and uh all like gold leaf each print oh wow uh, so there is a little bit of, it's a little bit of an augmented print yeah. um that adds a little bit to, because part of this work that makes it so uh interesting and so just uh, mesmerizing is how the light catches the gold just right yeah. and you can't really get that on just like on just a basic print of it mm-hmm. you have to have that kind of uh glimmer that comes with it so uh, when I do do prints, I'll, it, it, it's a bit of a process to get yeah. them made. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. Good. How do we feel about moving on to 
our featured artist. Our featured artist. Yeah. Brought to you by Andrew. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we are drinking some fantastic wine right now. Uh, and we're drinking from these uh, wonderful uh, tumblers that a friend of mine up in Sacramento uh, makes wine? these. I do need more wine. Always. Wait, let me hold your glass. Yeah. Well, put it close to the mic so you can hear the, oh, the yeah. true sound of this podcast. I feel like I'm going to spill on this. And now I oh, can't see. That was beautiful. Yeah, oh, that was good. <laughs> Tell me if you need more. <laughs> oh, that's good. Thank you. I don't know, but uh, there's a ceramicist up in Sacramento named uh, Lindsay M. Dillon who makes these wonderful kind of uh, earthy, kind of hobbit-like, nerdy uh, drinking vessels. And uh, I'm a huge fan of her work, so I try to have her, uh, her, her cups that she makes uh, are the favorite things to drink out of, and that's what we're drinking our wine out of today. It's nice because I... It, Ceramic artists, I like it where it feels like you have something in your hand. Yeah. Like there's a mm-hmm. weight to it. Um, and there's also a cool dragon. All right, the little, she, on, there's, really cool. she adds little uh, fun kind of uh, nerdy references. There's little like Skyrim nice. and little Dungeons and Dragons to it. And so it's, uh, it's fun and kind of artisanal, but also uh, completely nerdy, which is part of what I, I love about it. I love that. Yes. We'd be all in. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Awesome. And you guys are drinking a bold vine out yeah. of it. Um, it is a red wine, a Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. Oh, nailed it. Live there with Kiroskiro. You got it down. Thank you. All right. Um, and my favorite part is the pencil drawing. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I got it for the label. Yep. <laughs> that happens. And how does it taste? It's good. It tastes great. It's very good. Tastes like red. <laughs> Um, so Lindsay, right? Yes. Lindsay. Uh, and you guys can see her work on Instagram at Lindsay M. Dillon. Uh, and she's, she makes great work. Does she do other things than cups? Uh, she does some, uh, some figurative sculptures, uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm just a huge fan of, she, uh, she does a lot of videos of her throwing on the wheel, which is always oh, mesmerizing. Cool. Um, and she makes bowls and cups and then she, uh, she does some, uh, figurative stuff and she talks a lot about uh, she has a great social media presence and talks about um how to balance life as an artist and being completely sustained by your artwork and uh i'm just very impressed by how she's able to do that okay so wow. she makes a living mm-hmm. being able to make her work wow that's awesome that's incredible yeah. Is, uh, does she teach too or no idea ju- okay <laughs> <laughs> i love it well we will tag her and sure. um, we'll post some of her work on the Instagram and Twitter and everything as well. Wonderful. Um, and share it. Yeah, enjoy yeah, These are the really glasses. cool. I Thank like you. These, I like these glasses a lot. Yeah. I should buy one for Tyler. You absolutely should. Yeah. Yeah, he needs that. He will be happy that Dungeons and he Dragons was strictly only were, was uh, mentioned was. on the show. Oh, sure. Yeah. I told him it was a hard ban. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dungeons and Dragons were banned from the show? Only when he's on it. Oh, well, I think we're done here then. <laughs> oh, man. No, so we lost Andrew. <laughs> we have a lost tape of uh, the first podcast we tried to do. Yeah. Um, and Tyler's introduction was his Dungeons and Dragons um, what's character. It character. Oh, Jesus. And it, it was really cute. It was me. not cute oh. to anyone not married to him. Yeah. It was confusing. We're like sitting here like, let's talk about art. Oh, we have Tyler here with us. And he just goes into character like that. And like. He rolled a D1 or a, a one on that one. Yeah. 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 That, was not, that was not a critical hit. <laughs> not the move. Wonderful. That's great. Awesome. And then um, we also have art news. Art news. We do. Art news. Hey, hey. <laughs> we'll come up do, with do, a... Do, 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 do. There you go. Um, so I'm going to just mention something really quickly. Oh, yeah. All right. I uh, don't have a whole lot of information on it, um, but the Whitney Biennial Artist List was mm-hmm. just announced. Um, 75 five artists were listed mm-hmm. and 75% of them are under 40, Oh, which is awesome. cool. That is excellent. There's a lot of performance, video, and sound artists that were included. Um, and so we will talk, we will dive deeper into that list of artists. Um, there's an artist that I was trying to research today mm-hmm. to be a featured artist and she's a sound artist that is deaf. 
um, and she was talking about doing um, a lullaby for her baby and she wasn't comfortable playing the lullabies that were on this like pre-recorded tape and so she invited her friends to make lullabies for her baby but they're not posted anywhere so I'm gonna try and reach out to her and see if we can get a oh that's recording. fascinating right right that was very it's so interesting, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll keep cool. you updated. All right. Yeah, I'll be on the edge of my seat with that. Yeah. yeah. But that was my news article. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. All right. Did you have a news article or? Uh, <laughs> I'll go after you. No, okay. <laughs> uh, well, so you told me to find a news article. So I found one. Um, uh, there is a, actually, I have notes about this because uh, I knew this was going to happen. Um, but Jasper Johns. Very big artist. Uh, he had a show in uh, New York recently at uh, Matthew Mark's gallery, uh, and there's kind of been uh, uh, some stir about it. Uh, it's because he was doing a lot of paintings uh, involving skeletal forms, and I think I got really drawn to this article talking about his work uh, about this show because it talked about how these uh, skeletal paintings were haunting all the viewers that left. And after watching Velvet Buzzsaw, I got really excited hoping that these paintings were actually haunted. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was not the case. Uh, this was actually just to talk about how um, these uh, these paintings were just... Uh, uh, they're these skeletal forms wearing these kind of silly top hats and having these very uh, mischievous smiles on their faces. And, and they're all done up in a complete memento mori fashion, which com- makes sense. I mean, Jasper Johns is pushing 88 or so. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I was really uh, interested in how everyone was receiving and viewing these works and how they were being, uh, they were either mystified or uh, kind of horrified or haunted and uh, all the emotions they were expressing. And it made me think uh, of times when I have uh, been in the presence of artwork and seen artwork and I was completely overtaken by emotion of either uh, a completely visceral emotion, uh, of feelings of uh, sorrow, of melancholy, or feelings of uh, joy and inspiration. So I was wondering if there were times when you guys have, uh, if you guys can name an art piece that completely moved you in some way, either uh, made you completely angry or made you sad, or uh, if you guys can think of uh, any art piece that moved you in the way that these people were moved by Jasper Johns. Um, shoot, where's my phone? <laughs> my phone's in the car. So, um, Elizabeth. And I blink on her last name. Oh, <laughs> her last name. Um, she did a performance at the LA Art Show. Okay. Uh, this last one. And it was on um, sexual harassment, sexual violence. Um, and she recruited um, probably about 30 women. And they all went up and shared their story in... I think like 79 seconds or 76 seconds or something like that. The number mm-hmm. was sig- significant because every 76 seconds someone is sexually um, assaulted. And so each of them would go up and tell their story um, of their experience. And it was just one after another and they were all different and they all had a different approach to it. And at the end it was, the, and they all had like these, um, these binders that they were flipping that would tell you stats of sexual harassment and sexual violence. Wow. Um, and it was so powerful because at the end, Elizabeth uh, went up to the mic and just kind of told everyone to stop. And there were people walking back and forth because we were in the lobby area. And she said, just stop, wait, like listen to our story and people started stopping and listening to what they had to say. And it was very powerful because I think that that's what you need to tell people. Like the message was really important to hear it from victims and how powerful it was and how brave. Are you? (laughs) (laughs) It was just very powerful to me um, because I have been lucky enough to never have been I've never experienced um, sexual harassment other than what you experience on the streets of New York. Um, so to me, it was really powerful in hearing their perspectives 
and I respected the women a lot. So it moved me and made me think a lot about what I was hearing. That's great. I'm, I'm always excited anytime people talk about how uh, our artwork moves them because it shows that they are actively participating in the artwork and they're uh, invested and they care about what they're experiencing in that moment. And I think that's fantastic. And that's really what I love about performance because mm -hmm. you have that immediate relationship with the person in front of you that you don't always get with a painting on Absolutely. the wall. Um, and so a lot of performance work that I've seen has really inspired me to do performance work because I was so moved by it. Yeah. Do you have a piece? So uh, Thomas Kincaid, no. <laughs> <laughs> if, if not, I do have I do have a follow up question for you uh, for you guys if you don't have a, a piece or something. So I have I've touched on the one before mm -hmm. for me, um, and it was she's gonna hate it, but it was her piece. Um, it was a performance piece, and it was it was the love doll, mm -hmm. um, where she basically just yeah I saw the the video of that yes took it apart cut cut it up sewed it up, um, and I've I've never had a actual reaction to art that way where I felt sick to my stomach I didn't want to look at it, um, and it just it it that was a big day for me i don't want you to do it again but i do at the same time for other people to experience it um because it was i like i said it's what my most favorite of your work and my least favorite all at the same time it's interesting that's great yeah it was hard it was hard to watch well can i tell you about the piece that yes, uh please. truly terrified me yeah uh so there's a sculptor named uh ron muick who and i'll show you uh the actual piece right here on my phone but he does these hyper realistic oh sculptures and he did this one of a elderly woman just sitting and waiting. And the piece is literally about maybe a foot tall. Uh -huh. But it is so realistic uh, that you're, you're looking at expecting it to move. Wow. And I remember just sitting just like inches away from this old lady's face, truly terrified that it was going to open his yeah. eyes. And... Uh, that was uh, a very haunting experience, just sitting and looking at this inanimate object and you're just waiting for it to, be, to become animated. Um, but, and, but that was the one that stuck out most in my mind. There have been other pieces that moved me in different ways, mm -hmm. of like um, seeing old Baroque paintings hung in churches and with the, with the whole ambiance of the choir and the... Uh, kind of chanting that happens behind it gives us this very otherworldly feeling and, and how the work any work is kind of hung in different uh, kind of curatorial decisions and contexts it completely influences the motions that's how you're witnessing the work so but that was the one that just stuck out to mind because that was on display in uh, the Fort Worth Museum of Art when I was back when I was living in Texas and oh, it was awesome. uh, yeah it was really uh, definitely a sight to see it's really cool. Yeah. All right. So my article. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. I got and it. Now I'm trying to think of all like the really haunting, creepy paintings that I've seen. Um, yeah. And most of them are like where they're not painted well. And I don't know if it's just because they're not painted well that it makes me interested in like why their nose is so big or like their arm is mm -hmm. so weird. Um those are like the freaky ones to me. Yeah. I'll have to come up with an example. This is this is just a There was one too that um you did a show at eight two five. Okay. Gallery eight two five? Yeah. That's the full name. Um and it was um there was yours was in one room and it was your couch performance and in the room to the left, um this is really good for audio content. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> There were all of those teddy bears. I love those. They're so creepy. No, they were so creepy, and they were like, they're like distorted, half dead and they're teddy like bears having sex. Yeah, they're like Mike Kelly teddy bears or like... hard. They were hard. Oh, they were like sculptures. Yes, they were. I want to say ceramic. E. Okay. Sculptures. Is that the proper art term? Ceramic. I don't think so. E. I need to know what they're made out of. But they were definitely hard. Teddy bears that were going um, at it. Going at it. I really enjoyed them. I was gonna buy one. You were. I've 
I did not love it as much as you did. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... But that's so interesting that like you can have a negative response to something, and that's literally a piece that I would buy. And that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. I'm just here just like, yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so um, the last uh, news article I have is on um, Saturday, February 23rd. Judy Chicago did a purple poem for Miami. Oh. Yeah. Um, and it was at ICA Miami, and it was $5 to get in for the general public. Um, but it was really cool. Have you seen any photos of this? No. All right. It's a performance piece, right? It is a performance piece using um, pyrotechnics. Whoa. Yeah, so she um, lit the sky. I don't think Judy Chicago's ever used pyrotechnics before. No, I'm she, she has that been. it was in purple. She has, she has been. She, this has been um, kind of her work for the last, like, ten years or so. Um, she started going out into the forest. <laughs> yeah, this is news to me. <laughs> Wait, are <RG> Judy <laughs> Chicago? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I watched a six-minute YouTube video. Wait, she went out today. into the forest? Really? Yeah, and she would just play with the colors and everything. And I think it's been even longer than that. Because um, she was like, yeah, back in the day, I didn't need permitting or anything. Oh, wow. We would just go play with the pyrotechnics and create these colors. And she worked with a company in Miami. Um, and, like, Whoa. These, they basically created this entire um, performance. And the color purity was incredible. And I've oh, worked that's with, fantastic. I've worked with pyrotechnics before um, in event production. And you do not get, like, that type of, like, blue and purple that clear. Yeah, oh, that's really purple. Yes, and it was just incredible. And what she said is um, that she loved about it was it's not something you can keep or take home with you. You can only experience it. Oh, um, yeah. which is like the truest form of performance art, right? I agree with that. Um, <laughs> Some may not. Yeah. But... Good. Did you see this? I think I did. Yeah. Did you show me this? I, I, you did show so, me. This. Yeah. Um, and also though. That had to have been so expensive to do. <laughs> it's true. I mean, How much would that be? Oh, man. Expert lady. So I used to do a 30-minute pyro show with both uh, close proximity, which is what these are, as well as um, like five shells. And it was about 45000 Wow. Um, so I'm, I would guess that's about 100000 Maybe she's got a firework guy that can... Help her out. Yeah. Or something. Is she in the smoke? No, but she designed she designed the smoke and the tears. Um and would you create the entire So it's cool. Oh, oh. <laughs> do not start this topic. <laughs> what topic? I'm just thinking, so what we're looking at is uh-huh. a square. Yep. And they're like fire things. Uh huh. Like flares. Flares. Yep. There's flares and then in the middle. Yep. There's shooting fireworks yep. and smoke. Would this consider? Would you, Andrew, consider it to be a performance piece? One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, it is based in time, and there's a point where the smoke will no longer be there and the fire will no longer be there, and then at that point, it's the, the piece is essentially done, and so it, it, it's a it's a time based uh, site specific. Uh, Temporally based uh, art piece. Okay, I agree. Do you agree with that, or I kind of do, but okay, I also at, think it's more of an installation as well. Or maybe it's a site. maybe it's a happening. Yes, I think you're totally right. It's a happening. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, but then um, she also I need to find the other videos for you guys. Um, we'll post them. But there's one where she has like six different colors of smoke coming together in the sky and forming together. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I love it. I'm all in. Yeah. Judy, you're my girl. That's great. That's I think you I think you won the article. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I, just hyped it. I just hyped it up. <laughs> I'll have to show you, Lisa, what she's gotten famous for in the past. Okay. Um, because they're text pieces. No, that's Barbara Kruger. That's yeah. not. Judy Chicago, what's she known for? Uh, isn't it the table at Chicago? That's right. The feminist table of yeah. feminist artists? That's it. I know she did like uh, a bunch of like Holocaust themed 
pieces. She's done ceramics. I spent a good amount of time on uh, her website today. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I swear I was working, guys. <laughs> Hashtag show prep. <laughs> She's amazing. So cool. All right. Well, do we have any uh, last last notes? Uh, just remember, guys, I know I plug this every single time, but um, you can find us on Instagram, and everything that we talk about, we post. So look for us at Art World Podcast on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. And don't forget to rate and write a review, because that really helps us. Uh, we got on the note. New and noteworthy on iTunes. So that's really exciting. Yep. I gotta say, the way you guys are doing this podcast setup is really fantastic because setting it up with someone who is uh, experienced in the art world and someone who is a novice in the art world, and you're getting both the insider and outsider perspective, you're basically getting the artist and the viewer perspective of these topics. And I think that is uh, incredibly valuable to have that kind of setup in a podcast because there's hundreds of uh, podcasts about the art world, but it's always gallerists talking about galleries and artists talking about artists or critics talking about critics. And it's uh, it's completely all insider knowledge. So the way you guys are setting this up, I think is uh, really refreshing to see in a podcast about the art world. Thank you so much. We and super appreciate uh, it. We do. Um, and thank you for being our first artist on here yeah. and for welcoming us into your studio. This has been Super cool for me. I've never been somewhere like here before. Oh, you're always welcome. Um, so uh, thank you. We're really excited to have you on. Well, yeah, I'm happy to be here. This has been a lot of fun as your your first studio visit podcast. Awesome. And once again, it's Andrew K. Curry. Yes, Andrew Perfect. K. Curry. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Andrew K. Curry uh, or find my website, uh, andrewkcurry.com or my Facebook page at Andrew K. Curry Studio. Um, tweet. You on the I you know I tried I tried Twitter for a bit, uh, but and uh, I'm, I was very sorry to let all twelve of my followers down. Oh, no. <laughs> but I, I think I've, I eventually abandoned Twitter like maybe two years ago. Okay. Uh, but uh, but again, if you are in the LA area, um, come by La Luz de Jesus Gallery uh, this Friday. Uh, the show will be open for uh, a while, quite a bit. But from eight to eleven o'clock on Friday, um, I will be there with uh, these two lovely people and. Uh, <laughs> You can move around the gallery and see how how your relationship to the moons are are affecting you that night. I'm so excited. So I am so excited, so excited <laughs> for that. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much. We Thanks. love you. Bye. Bye.